Let's pray together. Almighty, gracious God, on this Christmas Eve, as we gather to remember and celebrate and anticipate all that that Christmas morn means, might you make this much more than just a Christmas Eve service, but a moment in time speaking to each one of us just what it is you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody loves a good story. For a good good story has the ability to capture both one's attention and imagination. You know, a good story is often the very things people remember. Those of us that are up here occasionally preaching and teaching, you know, we'll come up with all these great biblical theological insights and precepts, and we'll have all these great spiritual ideas, and often the thing that people remember when they leave is that personal story you shared that was really crazy funny. Because story has a way of capturing the mind, especially when they're true. As you depart today, we have the current issue of CPC Life ready for you to take with you, and it is filled with several real-life stories of people that have walked through this life of faith. I like to refer to it as it is about his story in them. It's God's story in each of us as they share. So be be sure to take that copy with you. I think you'll be encouraged. Erwin McManus, founder of one of the most influential and innovative churches in America called Mosaic in L.A., says this, the Christian faith grew through story, not text. Only later did the stories become scripture. While the scripture must be held in the highest regard, we must not neglect the power of story. One of the most favorite children's stories during this season is about a reindeer with this shiny nose. Yeah, there he is. You know, and if things were bad enough for him in that day, you know, with the reindeer colleagues that were making fun of him, now I understand he's under fire again because they think that there's something about his story that's about bullying, and none of us like bullying, but I don't know, I don't get it. Um, anyway, a little bit about the story of Rudolph. I found this pretty interesting. Did you know the first... It was first penned as a poem that would be put into a coloring book that was a marketing tool for Montgomery Ward in 1939. Yeah, Robert May, who was the chief advertising executive, not only wrote it, he got it printed up in this little coloring book, and then it was handed out across America by the retail Santas in Montgomery Ward. It later became a song that we all know and could sing. We won't. It was followed by an animated film. It is one of the highest-selling Christmas carols yet today, selling more than 25 million units. What's also interesting about this story is that Bing Crosby and Dinah Shore were offered to record this. They would have made some money. They turned it down. They didn't like the story or the catchy tune. So cowboy Gene Autry picked it up. But even he was not, didn't like it until his wife convinced him to do it. Why is it that always happens? They always know I don't get that. 
But what made this story so popular? I think, well, it's a catchy song, and it's a good story. And some people say it's because, well, Rudolph has got spunk and courage, and he stands up against the reindeer ridicule, and isn't that, a, that that's kind of heroic. But I think maybe the best part of the story is this, and I'm not sure Robert May knew this, but he showcases grace to the outcast in a very wonderful way. See, Rudolph is marginalized by the cool kids, the other reindeer. He has a defect. He's one of the uns. He's unattractive, unpopular, unsuitable, unsatisfactory, unlikable. He's persona non grata. He's unwelcome. This could make a person feel, or a reindeer, feel like a throwaway. Not much good for anything. And so he's shunned, and he could not play in any reindeer games. I didn't make that up. It's in the song. (laughs) But despite all the other candidates, Dasher and Dancer, Prancer and Vixen, and the list goes on, when the fog rolls in, who does the guy in the red suit pick? You got it. The one whose nose can light up the sky. The throwaway. The one whose weakness of having an odd glowing nose is seen by the guy in charge as a strength in the mission at hand. So whatever angst the red-nosed one had due to his peer's exclusion was replaced by a peace of mind, a peace within him that the big guy chose him to lead. A great story about a fanciful reindeer and a holly jolly old guy. It has, stead, it has stood the test of time. However, the best stories, I believe, are true stories. And I don't mean based on a true story. I like those too. But those that are actually true, especially those true stories that God writes. And, you know, because they're written by a supernatural God, they could be perceived as unbelievable if they weren't true. Luke 2 that Jody read just recently You know, the story is a great one. Some shepherds, they're doing what shepherds do. And then out of nowhere, an angel disrupts their world. The glory of God is shining brightly. This is an out-of-the-box experience for them. Terror strikes their hearts. The angel assures them, fear not. I am here to share the greatest news you and anyone could ever hear. This very day, in the same town that the great King David is from, a Savior, a great Deliverer, is born. He is the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord of all. And this is how you're going to know for sure, as the Scriptures foretold, He will be warmly wrapped in blankets of sorts, in a manger. And then again, seemingly out of nowhere, a slew of more angelic beings appear, giving praise to God and saying for all to hear, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This baby born in the most humble of circumstances, placed in a feed trough for farm animals. The Messiah born to a young woman who from society's vantage point was no one special, just another Mary, and there were a lot of Marys back then. 
she may not have been one of the uns, but she certainly was not one of the cool kids. Augustine tells us this. He, Jesus, was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by his hands and he formed, that he formed. He was carried by the hands he formed. He cried in the manger in a wordless infancy. He, the word without whom all human eloquence is mute. And so that story continues. People to whom God chooses to deliver this great news, shepherds, shepherds. Many biblical scholars believe that they were one of the most despised people groups. Other scholars disagree. But either way, they certainly could not have been more than just an average show. They were, not people, they were not the people that got invited to the black tie parties. Contrast them to the angel's grand entrance, complete with God's glory shining down, followed up by heaven's armies, proclaiming news that changes everything. Well, even if they weren't part of the outcast caste, they most certainly understood the privilege they were given to be present for such a time. Chosen, regular people, may be seen as unsuitable, persona non grata. Uh, an amazing story, a real-life story that happened. Packer tells us, the Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the Incarnation. Some 700 years before Gabriel informs Mary about what is going to transpire, Isaiah points to this Messiah. He will come from the lineage of King David. The Spirit of God will be present in him like no other. He will be wise and he will be mighty. He will delight in doing God's will. His judgments will be based on truth, not appearances. He will not only plead the case of those who are seen as throwaways of society, he will right the wrongs committed against them. For a peace will fall on God's creation like they had never seen before. A flock will be safe amidst a den of wolves. Leopards will no longer strike fear in the heart of the vulnerable. Grizzlies will eat alongside the cattle on a thousand hills. Lion tamers and zookeepers will find other vocation for God's peace will be so pervasive that even a young child will lead them. The predator and the prey will be at peace. Now, we're not talking about behavior management. Instead, we're looking at a time when all God's creatures, including humankind, will be transformed in their innermost being. In fact, the reversal of nature as we know it will be so all-inclusive and far-reaching that the most ancient of enemies, the one that goes all the way back to the serpent and God's image bearer, will be at peace. It will be so safe that a loving mother will not fear when her toddler goes up near the viper's den, for they will no longer strike. God's creation will experience creation as it was meant to be. That's what Isaiah is saying here. The curse will be reversed. Eden will no longer just be a story way back there in history. The original creation will be restored. Peace, everlasting peace, will be ushered in like they hadn't seen. 
and not merely some kind of peace treaty that is easily broken, but instead a total all-out cessation of hostility in the inner being of all God's creatures. And that includes the human heart because we understand that this world is not what it should be, not just the animal kingdom, but human beings, wars and threats of wars and impeachments and divisions and verbal attacks and selfishness and self-centeredness and self-focus, self-absorption. Isaiah sums it up in verse 9 when he says this is what it's going to be like. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, Jesus came on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago. Isaiah pointed to that day. Why don't we see this kind of peace now? It's because we live in what theologians call the already and the not yet. The already kingdom that is here and the not yet kingdom that is here. The kingdom is already here, says Jesus, and yet it's not fully here. The birth, the life, the ministry, the crucifixion and resurrection inaugurates that kingdom. That is it. It ushers it in where God's reign and rule of the human heart, one human heart at a time, for all that belief will start to take shape and mold not only the person but communities and society. A peace where those who know Jesus will know sins are forgiven. A peace that assures his followers that God is not against them but he is for them. A peace that comes when eternal life is granted, not because people are deserving, but because God is that loving. A peace that comes by experiencing the Holy Spirit who begins his in-house residential transformation of the human heart. The kingdom of God is already here. Jesus inaugurated it when he was born and lived and ministered and died and rose again for all those that believe. But that the fulfillment, the consummation of that kingdom is yet to come. And that's in the second advent. The first advent was Christmas morn. The second advent is just as sure. He's coming back, he says. And it's then he's going to take all those who believe in him to be with him forever and ever. And he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. We will be like him. And the good news is Anyone and everyone can enter into that kingdom. It's that profound and that simple. It's by faith through grace of God. Jesus did not come for a select few, but he came for everyone. So no matter whether you're one with many resources and much influence or just an average Joe or Jane, no matter if you are one of the cool kids or you want to be a cool kid, or you think you're a cool kid, or you're one of the marginalized. No matter if you're in the in crowd or you're one of the uns, Isaiah says this about the coming Savior. In that day, in that day when he returns, the root of Jesse, that is Jesus, will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. You ever been to a football game and the banners come out, you know, and they put them up above them. They move them around. Why do they do that? So they won't be noticed? No, just the opposite. <laughs> so they get some camera time, right? 
That's kind of what the gospel story, this real life story is all about. That God is raising the banner saying, don't, don't miss this. This happened for real 2,000 years ago. And I've come for you so that you can enter into this peace. See, Christmas is about God's proclamation of peace to all, especially to the throwaways of this world, to those who feel like they don't fit, to those who are without hope, to those who need God the most, as we all do. The good news is no matter who you are, no matter what you think about yourself, whether you're a society influencer or a society sidelander, the Messiah, Jesus, came for you. Now, God's story is one I don't think the world would ever write. For the way he goes about life is not anything like the culture of our day. Tim Keller says the wisdom of the world pales before the wisdom of God. The Apostle Paul writes this to us, but God chose the foolish things of the world so to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God's story is an incredible upside-down story that I don't think we would ever have come up with. But that's just how crazy loving he is. His peace is here for you. Have you received it? Are you in a place in your spiritual journey? Are you in a place in, in his story as he's working his story through where you have made that choice to receive and follow and trust in Jesus? If not, what are you waiting for? Why not? What's keeping you? And if you have this Christmas, as you gather with family and friends, and you have those awkward conversations you try to maneuver around, how are you going to share the peace of Christ with them? How are you going to love on them in a way that it might just soften their head and their heart towards him? Heed the angel's words. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love the stories you write, those real life stories that have impacted the world and impacted our hearts. We pray, O oh Lord, for those in our midst today who are going through some things that are really difficult, that you will love on them and draw them closer to yourself. We pray for those who are struggling with knowing if any and all of this is true, that you might draw them in close. And we lift up to you those, Lord, who know you and love you, that you might encourage us to share your peace with a hurting world. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.